Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Heating fears today, a series of bombings hit three different cities across Saudi Arabia. That follows a string of deadly ISIS attacks across the globe during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. We get more tonight from NBC's Bill Neely. Minutes after a bomb attack outside the second holiest site in Islam where the Prophet Muhammad is buried. This is Medina, policemen the targets, ISIS suspected, though no claim of responsibility. A symbolic blow to Saudi Arabia's rulers, one of three attacks there in a day. Earlier controlled explosions outside the American consulate in Jeddah where a suicide bomber blew himself up after he was stopped by security. No Americans were hurt. In a third city, another bomber tried to kill Shia Muslims at a mosque. In neighbouring Iraq over the weekend, carnage. It's Iraq's worst bombing for a decade, timed like the Saudi attacks for the end of the holy month of Ramadan, when ISIS urged its followers to strike hard. On Friday night in Bangladesh, three American university students were among 20 foreigners killed at a restaurant. The worst attack in that country's history. As ISIS loses ground in Iraq, it strikes back globally, hoping to win recruits with high-casualty, high-profile attacks. The ISIS assault over Ramadan spans three continents, from the Asian strike in Bangladesh to five attacks in the Mideast, from Turkey to Paris and another ISIS-inspired massacre in Orlando. Um, good, evening, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and I'm uh, filling in for uh, Tom Brown. And if you're joining us, you are listening basically to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. So I'd like to welcome you to a special basically show today, as you've heard already from the intro video. Uh, the uh, topic that we will be covering today uh, certainly will deal with the most recent ISIS attacks uh, that are global, uh, outside of at least of the territory of the United States. But uh, there is uh, a theme that I like to focus on as we begin to explore uh, those most recent attacks. And, of course, the highlight of all of those attacks is the attack yesterday that took place at one of the uh, a holy uh, sites uh, that Muslims basically adore uh, probably the most, and that's the site for the uh, Mosque of the Prophet in Medina, which is about 200 miles north of Mecca. Mecca is where Muslims face in their prayer daily or visit uh, in their pilgrimage. But the Mosque of the Prophet is considered to be the second holy mosque, and obviously the far mosque or the mosque of Al-Aqsa, the one that, uh, uh, the Dome of the Rock, uh, is considered to be the third holy mosque or holy site. But the interesting thing about uh, this particular attack is that many Muslims are basically left confused by the mere fact that ISIS, who claims to be the keepers of the Islamic caliphate and the resurrector of that hope, they technically consider themselves to be the most righteous Muslim. They will end up attacking one of the holy sites of Islam, and in this case, the site of the Prophet of Islam, who is technically the one that brought the message of Islam. Without a doubt, um, I can tell you, as a former Muslim myself, uh, I am uh, myself 
uh, is um, disturbed by the fact that many people over there were spending their day thinking that they are serving God, and yet they some of them met death as a result of this. Uh, obviously, I'm not here to promote Islam uh, as I'm a former Muslim, but I'm here to discuss the fact that Islam lacks peace, and therefore it's counterproductive to call it the religion of peace. And when we come back after the break, we will dive into this sensitive topic. to welcome you back again to uh, Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Al Fadi filling in here for Tom Brown. And uh, if you're not familiar with who I am, I'm a former Muslim, uh, originally from Saudi Arabia, and I have my own uh, show here on KPXQ called Let Us Reason. You can listen to it usually on Saturdays at 10.30 in the morning, but also on archive if you go to soundcloud.com and search for Let Us Reason. And I'll give you more information as we progress uh, today. But uh, the topic that I wanted to uh, focus on today has to do with the attack uh, that ISIS launched uh, not only on Saudi, that is considered to be the probably the center for uh, Muslim world uh, since Islam originated from Saudi, but also the attack on one of the two holy sites in Saudi. This time, it is the uh, attack on the mosque of the Prophet himself. Now, ISIS has been attacking mosques in Saudi for the last year or so. So, but usually, what they would do is to have a suicide uh, uh, attacker, uh, suicide bombers, I should say, attack Shia mosques. Now, that I understand uh, simply because ISIS considers themselves to be followers of the uh, strict Sunni branch of Islam, known as the Salafi. Also, uh, nicknamed in Saudi as Wahhabi movement. Uh, nevertheless, the reason why they do this is they consider the Shia branch of Islam not to be followers of true Islam, but the attack on worshippers at the uh, one of the two holy sites uh, in the world, actually, one of the most two holy sites in the world, and that's the Mosque of the Prophet, who was the messenger of Islam, is a little bit puzzling probably for some people, but I can tell you that when it comes to ISIS, really, they can theologically always justify anything they would do. And uh, in, the reason why ISIS is doing this first is to send a message that they are not buying the idea that all Muslims are true Muslims. That's number one. And therefore, when you attack worshippers at one of the holy sites, you're making this theology clear that ISIS is really not uh, basically in the business of trying just to pamper everyone who calls themselves Muslims. The second message probably that ISIS is trying to send to the Muslim worshippers is that you're falling asleep as Muslims behind the wheel. You are not like us who are fighting for Islam to establish the real Islamic states. With that said, that leads me to point number three, the attack on the holy mosque, the second holy mosque in Medina in this case, is definitely an attack on the government of Saudi Arabia. And ISIS is saying uh, they are not a qualified Muslim uh, regime to 
protect the holy sites because they themselves, in the eye of ISIS, I should say, the Saudi government doesn't practice Islam accordingly. I know it's puzzling uh, to many Muslims, and I can tell you this, um, uh, my message really to the Muslims who are listening to me today, and uh, hopefully the ones who will listen to it later, ask yourself this question, does Islam as a religion give you peace? Because let me tell you, uh, ISIS launched numerous attacks this month of Ramadan that as a former Muslim, when I was growing up in Saudi, 45 minutes away from Mecca, I've always been taught, like many Muslims, probably all Muslims, that this is a month of worship, this is a month of peace, this is a month that will allow the, per- the worshiper to spend time uh, uh, worshiping God and uh, uh, kind of like uh, clearing their iniquities with God by confessing sins and asking God to forgive them and so on and so forth. But we're also taught, at least in my days, that this is one of the holy mosques, a holy month, uh, that during the history of Islam has always been labeled as a month of peace. And now Islam teaches there are four holy months. In fact, these four holy months existed even prior to the rise of Islam, but they were incorporated and instituted under the teaching of the Islam and the Prophet of Islam, that Ramadan probably comes at the top of those holy months, along with others, that Muslims should really honor their um, uh, their uh, treaties with others, that uh, uh, they should not fight their enemies at this time. It's a, a time of reflection, and so on and so forth. But ISIS, without a doubt, have gone basically against the tide by doing such an attack. And I'm uh, I'm, uh, basically convinced that there are many Muslims today that are asking themselves this question. Why would ISIS do such an attack? And probably some are even asking, uh, would ISIS even attack the mosque in Mecca? Uh, Or would ISIS even uh, attack during the pilgrimage, uh, which will take place in two months from now, where there will be millions of people. I mean, probably pushing three million this year uh, since the expansion of the uh, uh, mosque and many of the holy sites in there for this ritual. And the, the answer to this would be, um, if it is up to ISIS, they probably would. And like I said, the reason why they're doing this in their theology, they do not consider those who call themselves Muslims and yet they're not joining their ranks to be Muslims at all, or they're calling them weak Muslims or hypocrite Muslims, which the Quran, by the way, teaches about uh, the treatment of hypocrite Muslims to be treated usually as if they are not Muslims until they repent and get back to the mainstream of Islam, and ISIS consider themselves to be that mainstream. Now, let me tell you, uh, is an attack on, for instance, the Holy Mosque in Mecca, Uh, a foreign idea, and my answer to you would be not at all. In fact, if you are familiar with the history of this, uh, uh, the mosque, and if you're around in 1979, you would have known that a group on the very first day, basically, that commenced the conclusion of the 1400 years of the Islamic calendar. The Islamic calendar is in its 1400 years already, meaning 14 centuries. Why? Because it dates back to the day when the Prophet of Islam immigrated or migrated from his own birthplace, Mecca, to the place what we call Medina today, where his mosque is built, where the attack took place yesterday. That day commenced basically uh, the first day of the Islamic calendar. In other words, the Islamic calendar doesn't follow 
the Gregorian calendar that we follow. Uh, it's not, not uh, the year 2000 in Islam. It's the year 1400 in Islam. So the first day uh, at uh, when the 1400 years were basically concluded, and now we're into 1438, I believe. Nevertheless, uh, in 1979, a group of Saudi Muslims, led by a man by the name Juhayman al-Atabi, uh, him and his uh, basically brother-in-law, relative, his name is Muhammad Abdullah al-Qahtani, and a group, they actually seized worshippers inside the Grand Mosque with the idea that Muhammad Abdullah al-Qahtani, uh, who is the relative or the in-law of uh, Juhayman al-Atabi, uh, was declared himself to be the Mahdi or the awaited one. And uh, Juhayman al-Atabi was convinced that this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet of Islam, Muhammad and also he used the sign that his in-law, his name is Muhammad, named after the Prophet, and his father's name is Abdullah, Muhammad Abdullah. And Abdullah is the name of the Prophet's father, so he used that also as a sign that this is the Mahdi that will fulfill the prophecy of being the Redeemer of Islam, will be the one who will basically pave the way for the coming of Christ, and Jesus will come back to fight the Christians and the Jews, as a matter of fact, according to Islamic end times theology, at least the Sunni branch of it. And nevertheless, and that seizure took place for almost two weeks until the government under King Khalid uh, bin Abdulaziz at that time actually launched a military rescue operation inside the mosque. They ended up uh, taking tanks inside and they killed uh, the so-called uh, uh, basically uh, uh, fake Mahdi, if you wish, uh, seized a number of them. They beheaded him later uh, or get executed uh, as a result of uh, this uh, act. So what I'm trying to tell you is attack on Mecca happened in the past. In fact, the Kaaba itself, the shrine that Muslims face, have been destroyed in the past, even by Muslims, at least during the first dynasty of the Umayyad. Uh, their attacks like this happened. So um, with that said, my question now to uh, anyone uh, who follows the religion of Islam, who is really um, basically with this impression that uh, the word Islam means peace, uh, which, by the way, it doesn't. Uh, it means submission. Uh, but at least this um, declaration that Islam is religion of peace. My question is this. If Islam, a religion of peace, cannot offer peace to its followers and worshipers during a holy month, at a holy site, then what will offer you that peace? And that's the fundamental question here that we ought to ask ourselves. And uh, we as believers in Christ, we understand that Jesus is the one who will give us that peace. Jesus says, peace, uh, I, my peace I give unto you, not as the world, but as, you know, basically I give to you. In other words, my peace really is different than the world peace. Uh, my peace surpasses all understanding. Uh, you can look at uh, uh, basically followers of Christ uh, during the most difficult times of persecution or maybe even bad news, and you still sense some peace in them. Uh, this isn't something that a human being can do on their own, by the way. You need supernatural power that allows you to be content, realizing that there is someone who is sovereign 
over all things, someone who can use all things for good, basically, as Romans um, 8, uh, 28 teaches. Nevertheless, uh, my question would be to my Muslim um, family, my Muslim friends, my Muslim uh, uh, community uh, friends and and, uh, colleagues and listeners. um, My question to you is this. Uh, Ask yourself this. Where would you get peace in light of those recent attacks? And by the way, we're talking about many attacks that happened just this month. I mean, you have the uh, attack uh, in Istanbul at the international airport in Turkey. Uh, Prior to that, there was another attack also in Turkey. Uh, You have a a massive attack that took place in the capital of Somalia, basically, inside of one of those um, hotels where many diplomats uh, stay. Just a couple of days earlier, uh, the attack that took place in Bangladesh that resulted in the death of 20 hostages and seven of the uh, attackers uh, who pledged an allegiance to ISIS, many of whom, by the way, the community is left basically confused because many of them came from elite uh, families. Many of them were uh, uh, known uh, to be good, basically, individuals. No one would have expected them or suspected them to be um, uh, the attackers. Uh, the last uh, people they would have expected them to do such an atrocity would have been those individuals. But, of course, uh, ISIS has proved us wrong over and over again that they can attract anyone, uh, no matter what, uh, because ISIS truly believes that they are uh, the followers of the prophetic method and the prophetic way, and they are also considered themselves to be the ones who will bring about end times. In fact, in some of the traditions of Islam, called Musnad Ahmad, um, is actually it's believed that the Prophet himself said that the Kaaba, the shrine, is going to be destroyed and its treasures will be stolen and its cover also will be stolen. And, um, and, and, and he says it's almost as if you could see him now, meaning seeing the one that will do this destruction will be coming in right now to do such a thing. So um, it's obvious that there is some um, uh, religious support to what ISIS is thinking about doing or believe that they are doing. And uh, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I am your host, Al Fadi, filling in for Tom Brown, and we're approaching another break. And when we come back, we will continue our discussions. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk uh, 1360 uh, KPXQ. I'm your host, Al Fadi, uh, the host of Let Us Reason. Uh, I'm filling in here for Tom Brown, and today we are talking about the uh, ISIS most recent attack uh, that took place yesterday in Saudi uh, at one of the uh, two holy mosques or sites in Saudi and in the world, for that matter, for the Muslim world, I should say. Uh, this is uh, this happened to be the mosque of the Prophet of Islam in Medina. And it seemed like uh, lately uh, that's all I've been doing is just talking about ISIS attack here and ISIS attack there. And I, before the break, I was mentioning that ISIS unleashed their wrath during the month of Ramadan, a month that Muslims really consider to be the most peaceful month, a holy month, a month of reflection. Yet ISIS really had no problem whatsoever 
uh, unleashing the wrath during this month and uh, basically robbing Muslims from this sense of peace. And if you ask ISIS, they have all kind of theological justifications for this. I'm not really here to uh, attack or endorse. Uh, I'm not here to try to justify and not justify. I'm not here to try to uh, clarify uh, uh, all of that. I'm here to really reason with my Muslim people, uh, telling him that I am a former Muslim today for a reason. And not because of ISIS. I accepted Christ 15 years ago before even ISIS was in the scene. Nevertheless, I can tell you that Jesus is the only one who can give us peace. And this is my invitation to you to look into Christ and what he can do for you, not into humans who can justify things and who can divide and uh, who can basically make claims. Uh, You look at the Muslim world today, and especially at the scholarly level, religious scholarly, that is, and you are going to hear so many confusing opinions. There are those that will tell you ISIS is not Islamic, and there are those that will tell you ISIS is Islamic, and there are those in between. And no matter what, Uh, You as a Muslim person left basically with all of this confusion to sniff through and try to decide for yourself what works and what doesn't work. So um, with that said, uh, we have to really now look at what can offer us peace and help us uh, basically uh, be uh, someone who can really enjoy that sense of peace inside of us. Now, God didn't create us to go through chaos, by the way. When God made man, uh, he looked at everything that he made and said it was very good. Uh, So God really has uh, the best of intentions for us. It's us that bring those uh, on ourselves. And starting from the fall, starts in the Garden of Eden when we disobeyed God. And as a result of this wickedness entered into this world, and now ISIS and others. Uh, are nothing but the product of evil that does things that anti-God, things that are anti-peace, things that are designed to basically cause confusion. But our God is not the God of confusion. He is the God of unity, God of peace, and God of uh, unity. And uh, uh, and that's really my invitation to you. Now, I want to direct your attention, um, as believers at least in Christ, and I want you, if a Muslim person, listen to uh, this encounter. Um, there was a group of people that came to Christ telling him that there were a number of worshipers at the temple who were offering sacrifices that were killed, actually, by the Roman governor. Uh, we find this account in Luke 13, uh, verses 1 to 5, and here is the passage. There were some present at that very time who told him, meaning told Jesus, about the Galileans who blood Pilate, that's the Roman governor, had mingled with their sacrifices. In other words, they were sacrificed or massacres as on the temple ground where they were offering sacrifice, blood sacrifice. Their blood and the blood of the sacrifice animal were mixed together. So the people were appalled. It's like, uh, what's going to happen to these people? In verse 2 it says, And they're asking him, what's going to happen to them? So he answered, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Let me translate this to you. The people are asking and saying, if someone was really killed on a holy ground like the temple, does that mean they were bad people and God is judging them 
right now or what's going to happen to them. I mean, let me use Islamic theology right now. We're going to think those who died are martyrs. They're going to go straight to heaven. I'm sorry. If I look at the Bible, the Bible doesn't think of it this way. The Bible actually judged by a different standard. And here's what Jesus' standard is going to be now. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't think they were worse sinners than the rest of the people of Galilee. In other words, they're really in the eye of God. They're all sinners anyway. Whether you were killed, basically offering sacrifice, or killed somewhere else, that's not how God is going to look at it, is what you were doing and where you were doing it. In verse 3, he says this, No, I tell you, but unless you repent. Notice how Jesus turned the table immediately, and he says, They died. Well, God is going to judge them. I can't really judge the man. I can't judge man's heart. I'm speaking for myself now, not Jesus speaking here. And I'm saying I cannot judge anyone. And if someone died, I, I really give myself no right to t- say this person going to go to hell or they're going to go to heaven. My hope is that they've known Jesus as Lord and Savior, even in their heart at least. And God is going to reveal that. He is the ultimate judge. Our hope is that they died knowing Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't worry about them. They died. But look, let's worry about you, the living, right now. Unless you repent, he says, you will all likewise perish. Here is the baffling thing about what Jesus says. He says, you will perish. You will die in your sin. What does that mean? You are going to also not be in the presence of God if you die denying me, basically, as the Savior. Denying the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He is the ultimate blood sacrifice that God has offered us on the cross. This is why the cross is important. This is why I call myself a former Muslim. Because I realize, really, it's not my good works that are going to save me. It's not me fighting and dying as a martyr is going to send me straight to paradise as some of these suicide bombers yesterday. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling if you think about it. The guy in Medina, basically, uh, he inflicted mainly injury on himself. He killed himself first. And yes, uh, we feel sad for the four uh, security officers who died as well and the five injured. But... If you think about it, you know, he probably, his intention was to uh, inflict more casualty, but we praise God uh, for protecting people, uh, even though uh, we're not really endorsing Islamic worship here. All I'm saying is God is sovereign. God is in control. He has a message and a purpose behind what happened to hopefully wake up my Muslim people to realize that Islam doesn't offer you the peace because these are Muslims killing you, not non-Muslims. Nevertheless, uh, basically, uh, I used to think that I want to die as a martyr until God opened my eyes to the truth and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. What I'm trying to say is Jesus is saying exactly the same thing. Your works are not going to save you. Repenting and obeying God and His work and His sacrifice, not your sacrifice, His sacrifice— is what's going to save you from being perish, meaning separated from God for all of eternity. That's what I would like to extend to you as my listeners to share with my Muslim people. And if you're a Muslim person, I encourage you to uh, seek 
wisdom from God himself. Go to his word. Go to the Bible. And if you need to communicate with me, by all means, here is my email, and this is for all of you. My email is Sira Ministries in the plural, C-I-R-A, the word ministries, plural, at gmail.com. And another one basically is alfadi at sirainternational.com. You choose, and I'll be more than happy to interact with you uh, on these topics. And if you need resources and what uh, whatnot, uh, please uh, consider getting in touch with me. And soon also you can like uh, my Facebook, which is Sira International, or also my Facebook, Al-Fadi. Either way, I want you to uh, connect with me in a variety of ways so that we can uh, help one another and serve one another. If you're a Muslim person, I welcome you to get in touch with me. Uh, once again, please, I welcome you uh, to get in touch with me as a seeker, as someone who's asking uh, questions, not as someone that will be uh, attacking or someone that you think I'm going to be debating. You know, uh, I'm not about that. Uh, we're about inviting you and we're about asking you to consider the truth for yourself. Uh, no one can convert anyone uh, take this idea out of your mind. It is God who changes heart and God who can turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Nevertheless, this is basically why I shared this passage with you from Luke 13, verses 1 to 5. There is another story, of course, after verse 3, which is similar to the story that I just shared with you. Nevertheless, I want you to see that from God's perspective, He doesn't really focus on the works, but He focuses on the repentance and to believe in his work. And that's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He is the ultimate sacrifice that God himself offered on our behalf. And if we accept that sacrifice by faith, by grace, we are saved. And then our works after that is the result, the product, the produce of this faith. Therefore, it's not going to save us because we're saved already. But it's going to bring glory to God and bring others to a saving knowledge. Now, um, back again uh, to the... Uh, attack uh, that has taken place uh, in Medina. I can tell you that from ISIS perspective, they are convinced that everything that they're doing is a fulfillment of prophecies. No matter how you look at it, they think that their work is actually a fulfillment of prophecies. Whether it's a, a, a weak tradition, a strong tradition, uh, anything whatsoever that supports um, uh, their teaching, uh, all of this, when it comes to ISIS, uh, ISIS really do not care. That's pretty much uh, the word that I want to use. Uh, uh, they do not care about the life of these innocent people that they have killed. They do not care about bringing peace to their own Muslim people. They do not care about respecting what Muslims consider to be uh, holy sites or holy month. And therefore, my question to you is... Who is going to offer you that peace that surpasses all understanding if the teaching of Islam does not actually guarantee such a peace? If you're joining us, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, filling in for Tom Brown, and we're approaching another break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion related to this topic of ISIS's recent attacks.
Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, filling in here for Tom Brown. If you're joining us, um, you are basically listening to our discussion that uh, we're focusing on today related to the ISIS attack uh, during the month of Ramadan and the most recent one yesterday against one of the two holy mosques in Saudi. This happens to be the Mosque of the Prophet of Islam. And uh, to many Muslims, this is without a doubt a very, very confusing thing simply because of the fact that ISIS consider themselves to be Islamic. In fact, their state is called the Islamic State. And they cite the Quran all the time for every single thing that they would do. But yet at the same time, uh, whatever they are doing is anti-Islamic. But before I dive into such a, a thing, let me tell you that the pages of the Quran actually support a lot of those uh, violent attacks. Now, whether ISIS is interpreting correctly or incorrectly, that's up for debate. Nevertheless, I don't really see majority of Muslims standing up against ISIS, at least using platform to try to denounce basically the interpretation of those passages. Now, of course, many Muslims are going to be denouncing the attack, but nevertheless, do they denounce the ideology and the theology that ISIS uses, that have been uses, using since they declared themselves a caliphate back in June of 2014, almost two years ago? Nevertheless, here is a taste of some of those teachings, and I consider uh, I, I basically encourage you as a Muslim person to look it up first. Second, please explain it to yourself first and then explain it to us. And most importantly, try to see how you can justify now that ISIS has taken these things out of context. I know there is this movement that some of these are taken out of context. With all due respect, throughout the history of Islam, if you look at the majority interpretation by many Islamic scholars, reputable commentators, none of this actually take place, they all are convinced that those are commands. Example of those commands. Chapter 2 of the Quran, verse 244. Then fight in the cause of Allah and know that Allah uh, hears and knows all things. Pretty clear command. Fight in the cause of Allah. Fight in the way of God. That's what ISIS will tell you. That's what Al-Qaeda will tell you. That's what Al-Shabaab will tell you. That's what Boko Haram will tell you. They are fighting in the way of God. Where did they get this idea from? There you go. You have a verse right here. And by the way, don't get this impression that I'm sharing just the only verse that exists. No, no, no. This is just a sample of many verses that teach exactly the same thing. Let's look into another passage. Chapter 2 of the Quran, verse 216. Fighting is prescribed for you. And you dislike it. In other words, God is saying, really, whether you like it or not, it's uh, none of my concern. It is prescribed for you by me. Now, you can go and debate and say, well, this is taken out of context. Well, never tell that to ISIS. If that's your belief, go ahead and tell it to ISIS. I don't hear people really lobbying and rallying. And if we say ISIS is a minority that hijacked Islam, then I would expect 90% of Muslims actually to be vocal every minute now, against what ISIS did, using the same media outlets that utilize usually to talk about Islamophobia, for instance. I think uh, everybody is smart enough to know what I'm talking about. Chapter 3 of the Quran, verse 56. As to those who reject faith, notice the language here. 
It's talking about Muslims who supposedly, according to the theology of the Quran or Islam or Allah or the theology of the Prophet, they are looked upon as if they rejected faith. I will punish them with terrible agony. And that also includes pagans, includes Christians, includes Jews who also reject to convert to Islam. So there is this threat that they will be punished with terrible agony in this world and in the hereafter. Notice, it's not just wait until they die and they're going to face the wrath of God. No, they will face the beginning of the wrath of God here first and then later after their death. Chapter 3 of the Quran, verse 151. Soon shall we cast terror into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they joined companions with Allah, meaning they worshipped others with God, for which he had sent no authority. This is why Christians, by the way, are considered to be idolaters, because uh, to a Muslim, according to this particular theology that I just shared with you, they worship the cross, and the cross is an idol, and therefore you're associating someone with God, or... You claim that there is a trinity, and in the Islam teaches that trinity means three gods. Therefore, you're still associating someone with God. You call him the Son. You call him the Holy Spirit. You call him Mary, whatever you want. Nevertheless, it's still idolatry, basically. Chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 74. Let those fight in the way of Allah. Notice, in the cause of Allah, in the way of Allah, once again is mentioned here. Let those fight in the way of Allah who sell the life of this world for the other, meaning they sell themselves here on earth so that they may gain eternal life in paradise. You wonder why young men are blowing themselves up? It doesn't really make sense to logic, but to them it makes perfect sense because of passages like this. They're selling themselves so that they may gain eternal life in paradise. Uh, my, my dear Muslim friends... Let me tell you, Jesus have already gave his life for you. You really don't need to do this. He sold his very life and precious blood to save you so that you don't have to do such a thing. That's what I'm inviting you to consider. That's what the cross is all about, basically. And then in chapter 4, verse 76, those who believe fight in the cause of Allah. Notice the condition here, and that's why ISIS tells the Muslim world, you're no Muslim at all. Why? Because if you truly believe as Muslims, and Islam means submission and surrender, if you are truly Muslims surrendering to God and His will, then you must fight in the cause of Allah. And you're not, therefore you are not Muslims at all. That's pretty much the theology that comes out of this. Now, let me also share something else that might be very disturbing to many Muslims they're going to hear. Just recently in June, uh, at least in Al Jazeera, it was reported that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who is the uh, basically the leader of ISIS or the Islamic State, uh, the one who appointed himself to be uh, their uh, caliph, or the caliph for the Muslims, for that matter. This is what he called. He called for the destruction of the black stone in the Kaaba, literally removing, basically, the black stone that exists in the eastern cornerstone of the Kaaba. Why? Because he considered that ancient stone to be a part of idolatry during the time of the Prophet of Islam. Now, you're going to say, well, 
he's a crazy man. We're not going to listen to him. Well, thank you for thinking this way, because I'm going to give you an opinion of another Islamic scholar from Kuwait. His name is Ibrahim al-Kandari. And Ibrahim al-Kandari, who is a Kuwaiti Islamist preacher, this is what he says. He demanded the destruction of the stone believed to be of uh, meteoric origin, is a meteorite, basically, uh, fell from heaven, supposedly. It used to be whiter than snow, and the Prophet of Islam says it turned black because of the sin of people. Well, at least we know that people are sinners. And he says the black stone should be destroyed to put an end to this ancient pagan ritual and idolatrous worship of images. This is an Islamic scholar, by the way. We're not talking someone who just read a book and think they are qualified to speak about those things. No, he is an Islamic scholar who is convinced that the black stone is a remnant of ancient pagan rituals, which indeed, by the way, many of the rituals that are done in Islam are remnant of those pagan rituals that Islam incorporated. In fact, I'll give you a proof right now. The uh, wife of the prophet Aisha, the young wife that Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, when he was 51, proposed to her while she was six years old, and consummated the marriage when she was nine-year-old, when he was 54. Yes, you heard me correct. This is what she said. Aisha used to tell you, speaking to her cousin, his name is Ibn Zubair, and he is an Islamic scholar of the 7th century. Uh, uh, he's a nephew of Aisha. Uh, someone was asking him, say, Aisha used to tell you, Ibn Zubair, secretly a number of things. What did she tell you about the Kaaba, for instance? This is what he says. He replied, She, Aisha, told me that once the prophet, meaning the prophet of Islam, said, O Aisha, have not your people, meaning the pagan Arabs, been still close to the pre-Islamic period of ignorance, time of infidelity, basically? I would have dismantled the Kaaba and would have made two doors in it, one for entrance and one for exit. Translation, the Prophet of Islam is saying that the Kaaba, the shrine, is actually a remnant of an ancient uh, uh, pagan worship, but he really had no choice but to leave it intact for now simply because he wanted to draw people uh, into Islam who come so close, uh, uh, who come from this background, the pagan background, believing in those things, and therefore if he would have went against their ancient pagan belief and destroyed the Kaaba, the shrine, he probably would have lost them. But now, by allowing it to stay, he is gaining more. Let me say this, by the way. Contrast this to Jesus. In John 4, the Samaritan woman says, you, speaking about the Jews, you worship on that in that temple of that mountain, we worship at this mountain, uh, referring to uh, the temple that the Samaritan has in Mount Gerizim, and that the temple mountain uh, in Zion for the Jews. She's saying, I'm confused. I mean, who's right? Uh, you guys are right because you worship at this temple, or we are right because we worship at this temple? Jesus' answer was, basically, woman, you do not know what you're worshiping. And he says, the day is coming when... Uh, God, the true God, he says, will be worshipped in spirit and in truth. In other words, God is everywhere. He's not confined to a, an ancient temple or a temple made by human hand. And this is basically referring to the temple of Solomon that was built 
basically by Solomon, King Solomon, and uh, the Lord himself, actually, Yahweh, uh, approved of the building. Nevertheless, he never approved of the fact that he only lived there. And that's what people begin to think when they have temples, that God, their God, is only exists in that location. He's confined to that. Here is the difference between the early history of Islam and the history of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're tuning in, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, uh, host of Let Us Reason. I'm filling in here today for Tom Brown, and we're talking about the topic of ISIS's recent attack during the month of Ramadan, especially the one yesterday at one of the holy sites in uh, in the world, to the Muslim world, and uh, happened to be the mosque of the Prophet in Medina. When we come back after this break, uh, during our last segment, we will uh, do our closing segment uh, on this show. To Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your host, Al Fadi, filling in for Tom Brown. And today we've been talking about the most recent ISIS attack in Saudi against the uh, second holy mosque uh, in Saudi, known as the Mosque of the Prophet in Medina. And it's considered to be really the second holy mosque for all Muslims. And I can tell you that this attack, without a doubt, would have been very confusing to all Muslims. In fact, many Muslims are wondering now, what does that mean? But really, uh, at the end of the day, as a follower of Christ, uh, what I want to close with is this, and this is directed to you, my Muslim friends. Here's what our Lord Jesus Christ says in John 16, Uh, verse uh, 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Dear uh, friends, dear my Muslim friends, relatives, colleagues, listeners, this is my invitation to you. It's very obvious that Islam is not offering you any peace, not even during the holy months of Ramadan, not even at the holy site, and in this case, the site of the Prophet of Islam, where he's buried and he lived uh, during his uh, uh, last uh, parts of his ministry. But Jesus will give you that peace. Take it from me. I'm a former Muslim. I'm a follower of Christ. I can tell you his peace will surpass any understanding. Take it from anyone who follows Christ that his peace is real. His peace is a peace from within It's not a made-up peace. It's not a peace that you can fake. It is a peace that is based on the work of God on the cross by sending His Son to die for our sins. And by faith and grace, we are saved, and His Holy Spirit in us will give us that ability to conquer anything in this world. And this world will have tribulation, and this what Jesus says 2,000 years ago, and He continues to say that there'll be more tribulation in this world. But unless you follow Christ... You will not know where you're going. But with Jesus, you know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's my invitation to you. Uh, thank you for listening uh, uh, to our show today on Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. Uh, you can also follow my own show, Let Us Reason, on soundcloud.com. Uh, search for Let Us Reason, uh, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with Al-Fadi, and also listen to our program on Saturday. Until we meet next time, have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.